The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. You start a show right there. That's a whole lot of get, boogie. Get a little, get a little jungle boogie. Get on, yeah. get on up in you. Yeah, yeah. You know, for right, rightly or wrongly, whenever I hear that song now, I go right to the uh, soundtrack of Pulp Fiction. That's a simple thing. To, yeah, I yeah. can see that. You know, it's 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 kind of funny how that happens. I don't know if that's a uh, serves the song, right? Or serves the songs or not. But uh, you know, obviously, Quentin Tarantino is a master. Yep. At, at coming up with a phenomenal soundtrack to whatever movie he's doing. Yeah, truth. Know? And um, we were talking uh, earlier about some of his, you know, or some of the better soundtracks for movies. And uh, we named a couple. And actually, now that you mentioned it, yeah. Reservoir Dogs also had an amazing phenomenal soundtrack. soundtrack yeah. yeah. You know you know who scorches soundtracks is Martin Scorsese. 
Yes. You know, to this day, you know, the version of uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash from Mean Streets. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, that was a cool tune already, but in the context of Mean Streets, it was like, right. wow, this is a really cool I tune. I think one of his early ones had the uh, Devo doing I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Really? Yeah. All I right. forget which one, but it was one of his early movies. Nice. Nice. But, uh, yeah, got a little yeah, soundtracks yeah, and tunes yeah. and... Of course, we're still in Black History Month. Indeed, so that indeed. prompted so that, us that to... Was, uh, yeah, a little nod to Black History Month. Sure. We are culturally, uh, culturally aware here oh, we're at there, Big Boom man. Radio. We're there, yes. You know, we're woke, we're aware. Well, for so. people that don't know, who was that? Uh, Jungle Boogie. I believe that was cool in the gang. You believe correctly. Yes. You know, they kind of... You know, for lack of a better word, went a little cheese in the 80s, I think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and that happened to a lot of those really cool R&B bands, yeah. you know, like the Commodores yep. and whatnot. But, like, yeah. back in the 70s, that was some bad shit, man. Yeah. It was, they were getting down. You know, Everybody was... walked around like R. Crumb. <laughs> and whenever you could. With the, you bell, the... With the bell bottoms. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the, the platform shoes. The crushed fish velvet. Tanks in them. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, anybody who was anybody would do the stroll down the center of the aisle on Soul Train. Yeah, you know, man. Yeah. Which, to this day, guilty pleasure. It's Friday. I want to get out of the other job as fast as possible. Nice. And hopefully, you know, go out for some beverages and whatnot. Absolutely. Nothing will put you in a good mood quicker than going to YouTube and just doing... Like Soul Train, line dance, <laughs> and one after the other. There's all these clips up there. People just having an amazing time. Oh yeah, dancing to great tunes. Well, the '70s were a lot of things. You know, they were a statement in regards to a lot of things. Obviously, fashion. Yep. And music. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of statements that a lot of those people would like to take back. Yeah. But uh, well, but, everything. The fashions too. I mean, completely outrageous. Oh yeah. You know, and and you know, being on my side of the aisle and my perception of things, this tells you a lot about you know what cocaine and quaaludes uh, will do to your <laughs> sense of fashion and uh, and you know what music you dig and what music you do not dig. So. And then there's people like myself just simply high on life. That enjoy is that what it is? loud, vibrant colors. Yes. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I can't relate, but it's it's all good. It's Some all can good. even say that my fashion sense is a bit outrageous. Yeah, well, you you will be my ambassador from here on in to, to that side of, of life. Well, and I can't wear all black anymore. That was my thing for the longest time. Was it really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just look at my closet, all different kinds of black clothes. Um, it's a mixture of like just being Italian and an artist. And just having a really bad attitude, you know, and manic depression. <laughs> and uh, but and now, like in I recent like days, owning a husky, that doesn't work anymore. No, no. Oh, the black with the with yeah. the shedding of the yeah. Okay, I walk out with a fur coat every single oh, day. Oh goodness, I can relate. But I, I can love relate. her. But yeah, doesn't doesn't yeah uh, yeah that was for you, B. That was for you, sweetie. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, how you doing today? Uh, I'm outraged. Are you? Yes. I'm 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 feeling a bit outraged myself, John. I've been outraged all day. I'm I'm itching for a fight. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Because there's just so many things <laughs> that need my my uh, my outrage. Well, I don't know about you, man, but I'm outraged at the outrage. That's outrageous. You know, it is, isn't it? It's it's totally outrageous. I want to boycott you. You think? Just you. Could we do that? I guess so. I don't know. You're a product. I'm boycotting you. I'm calling up Al Sharpton. Yeah. Cancel that guy. (laughs) Cancel that fucker. Cancel him. Yes. You know what? I don't don't even want to boycott you. I want to cancel you. Nice. That will rue the day that you spoke your mind. That's uh, that's a modern (laughs) terminology right there, isn't it? Yes. Cancel, cancel culture. And we're, of course, being over the top, folks. But one of the things that we want to talk about today is our propensity as a society, to A, be outraged, and then immediately, before we really figure out what we're outraged about, mm-hmm. cancel something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in all honesty, I'm, I'm truly, truly, I, I guess it would be more over the top if I didn't smoke so much weed, but I am outraged at the outrage. It's gotten a little ridiculous. Yeah. Even it's a laid-back guy is outraged. It's, 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 <laughs> it's infectious. It's like an infectious disease. I mean, we're all worried about, you know, the coronavirus, you know, this is, this is, I think, far more toxic. Well, sometimes I get the menstrual cramps real hard. You know, far more of a threat. Yeah. You know, and it's far more contagious. You know, anger is contagious. Outrage is contagious. Yep. You know, and, and we have the vehicle now for it, too. You know, with social media and with Twitter and with Facebook. Yes, outrage can travel around the world in mere minutes. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I will almost say I remember fondly 
uh, of writers, newspaper writers, journalists, and whatnot, uh, pointing out areas of controversy and whatnot. You know, we're talking a decade or two ago, and asking rhetorically, where is the outrage? Yeah. And uh, you know, be careful what you wish for, guys. Yeah. But now we got it, and we got it on steroids, you know, and it's, it's out of control. It's crazy. I think outrage has replaced baseball as the American pastime. I think it may be. Yeah. I think that's a very, very astute <laughs> observation, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I understand uh, so many of the things that people are, quote-unquote, outraged about, and they have good points and whatnot. But, you know, putting it in context, you know, everybody... <laughs> We're all outraged about yep what you know well I let's mean throw out some outrageous well yeah you know there's 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 many many things I mean just over the last week or two I mean obviously people are outraged about the second impeachment of oh, former President Donald Trump right and uh, and you know I think there's a lot of that stems from the results of the election yep you know which of course people are outraged, outraged. about <laughs> and. Uh, it's just okay. I can I can understand your outrage, but put it in the context of everything else. Yeah, you know, do you just, just take a number. I guess well, that is going to be even more outrage because as as we go to print, so to speak, or as we are on air. Yeah, uh, he has been acquitted of the he, second he has. impeachment he has. trial, and who didn't know that was coming? And they call me Johnny Teflon. I'm telling you, oh, he's <laughs> slick. There are a lot of things, and and maybe you can maybe you can under uh, or explain this to me. I should say, uh, as a member of the the right, um, <laughs> you know, and we'll put quotations around that too. Um, I'm not getting why the Republican Party doesn't ditch this guy. I mean, he's a loose cannon. I mean, in all honesty, not really a Republican. He's a he's a pragmatist, and you know, obviously knows how to run with it. Yep. I'll, I'll give him a nod to that. Um, you know, but if I'm Mitch McConnell, I'm not sure I'm buddying up to this guy. I mean, he does have a tendency to turn on people. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I, I think they're all in a race to see who can become the smartest man in the room. Is that what it is? <laughs> and, you know, you get thrust into situations and everybody wants to back the winning horse, right? Oh, obviously, yeah. And they're thinking to themselves now, and I, I am... I firmly believe they're having sleepless nights uh, deciding what's the backlash going to be if I just disassociate myself with with Trump. And the only one that's really come out very matter-of-factly, and for a woman, God bless her, because she's got balls of steel, was just the other day Nikki Haley, who says, I don't support him. We never should have supported him. What he's done is is flat-out wrong, and I am disassociating myself with him. And she was wow. the only one that he's always, you know, spoken of and treated very highly. Yeah. You know, she left on her own terms from his administration, yeah. which was a rarity. No props for her to have right. having the balls. And I think, yes, I think having those balls and being proactive will benefit her. I think the other cats that are laying back, whether it's the Mitch McConnells or the the uh, the vacillators, you know, the Mormon Pompadour, Mitt mm-hmm. Romney, yeah, they need to make a decision <laughs> real damn quick. The Mormon Pompadour. The Mormon Pompadour. I'm seeing that on a T-shirt. I'm seeing it on a T-shirt. I am. I am. But yeah, I, 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 just from you know the noble opposition, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around why they're so locking in on this guy. I mean, he's, you know, the example of cult of personality. Yeah. And I, I fully understand the, 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 the pragmatists out there trying to vie for his base. But really, what are you vying for? Right. You know, I mean, as, as. A Democrat, one of the big mistakes that I think the Democratic Party is making is they're not properly analyzing the 70 million or so people that voted for Trump. I mean, yeah, granted, some of them are the wingnut people that were, you know, very much on display January 6th at the Capitol. But a good percentage of them are people who vote party. And uh, a good percentage of them, obviously, are people who vote against the other party. Right. Um, but again, this guy is a loose cannon, man. In a nutshell, smart Republicans are trying to unite the party with yep. the Trumps and the conventional Republicans. And what the smart Democrats should be doing is ignoring the radicals yep. and just trying to snatch up that disenfranchised Republican base. Yeah, simple as that. But well, all I, I, parties I, I, are kind of just sitting on their hands oh, now. Yeah. So. Well, I think that the, the Democrats are ignoring the disenfranchised people in their own party. True. You know, Trump was the result of something. And I think it's very easy to forget, well, they're pointing fingers that 
Bernie Sanders was also the result of something. Yep. And I think these things are being just blatantly ignored um, to the peril of, of, of both parties. And that's only one nugget of outrage. Yes. One little nugget. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 moving on on the outrage uh, on. list and the outrage circus, uh, a series that both you and I are fond of, The Mandalorian. Oh, uh, apparently, uh, somebody who's, who's a prominent member of the cast of Mandalorian, uh, Gina Serrano, is that her name? Uh, Carano. Carano. Yep. Uh, apparently, she said something wrong. Well, she said some things and stuff. Yeah. And she broke the famous you know, show business axiom. Uh, not don't work with children or pets, right? But don't talk about Jews in the Holocaust. Oh Jesus, no! <laughs> and she was trying to make uh, an articulate point about the condition of conservatives in Hollywood, as contrasted to being a Jew during Nazi Germany. Did she really? Yeah, it went See, over I, like a I, fart in church. Yeah, and well, they, I read her statement. I did read that, yeah. and I mean, maybe I'm. It wasn't stoned, what she said, but yeah, it did. It was the fact that she said it at all. Well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> you know, rule number one, and any publicist will tell you, yep. you know, don't go there as far as the Holocaust, as far as Nazis, as far as Jews, World War Two, blah blah blah. But like on the list of things to be outraged about, yeah, that didn't hit me like that. It didn't. It didn't make me go ah and, and yeah. burn the paper. It wasn't direct. It wasn't put it this way. Directed as an insult. It might have been insulting. Yeah. To certain people. Okay. But it wasn't directed as an insult to any particular There didn't group of seem to be much malice behind the statement. Right. And there wasn't. But, you know, this is the day and age we live in. So now here's somebody who, you know, she'll work again. She's a decent actress. Um, I've always liked her. I think she's, what's the phrase? Tasty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and she'll be okay. She'll land on her feet. You think? And it's just yet another cautionary tale yeah. where all of these these stars they need to be treated like athletes they need handlers and don't think it hasn't been a little slice of heaven because it hasn't yeah you know, i was going to say where was where was the publicist right. on this one in her case she should have just shut up and dribbled you know yeah <laughs> great yeah. we like your character you look fantastic in the costume you know yeah. So now she lost her own spinoff series, yeah, whatever recurring role she had in The Mandalorian, yep. and all for a couple words that easily she could have kept to herself. She didn't seem to be, in my mind anyway, a, a candidate for cancellation. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we'll get to a little bit more of that, but I also want to bring up, while we're on the dum, topic, dum, the <laughs> Jeep commercial with the boss, yeah. Bruce Springsteen, that seemed to have... Now, I will question... Right now, uh, particularly in the case of Mandalorian Girl and the boss, um, whether there was really true, quote-unquote, outrage behind this, or was it the same six fucking assholes on Twitter that are just, yeah, they, they just sit back and wait for opportunities yep. to jump in with their pseudo-outrage and blast somebody, and, right. and it seems they get off on getting people canceled. Of course, the boss is too big to cancel. Well, it here's just the thing. I, you're, um, not, you're not going to cancel Bruce. I read a great article. I think it stemmed from uh, Newsweek, but don't quote me on this. Okay. And the writer was talking about, he was a lifelong Bruce Springsteen fan, yep. was from the Jersey Shore like myself, yeah. and how through Bruce's entire career, he represented, in a way, the middle. Yeah. And he was successful at it because he never vilified Anybody on either side, yep. whether it was like a location in the country or necessarily a, a financial bracket that they oh, were yeah. in. He was talking every man. Right. Yeah. But in the commercial, and I think this is what instigated the initial blowback, he talks about us as a people coming out of darkness now mm -hmm. into the light. Okay. And already there, he's, he's choosing sides. We know he's a political cat. He always, you know, yeah. has he's, opinions, he's, and that's fine. Yeah, he's an, he's an activist, and he's a... Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. He's a, a representative of, or he's an advocate for... For the downtrodden for the, and forgotten. The, yeah, you know? exactly. And all that's fantastic, and it makes for uh, and the great down, song lyrics. Yeah, and the downtrodden know? and forgotten come in all shapes, colors, sizes, but political again, parties. those of us that are outraged are probably outraged because we're like, aren't they trying to force unity down our throat? And oh, now God I gotta forbid, watch, Jesus. Now i got to watch a Super Bowl commercial where he's talking about the evil man is gone, and now we're going to be great under this new I didn't catch that reference, and, yeah. and, and maybe, you know, and it's the same situation with, 
Mandalorian girl, right. you know, where I didn't catch the offensiveness and I didn't catch the, the oh my God, right. cancel that bitch, you know, thing. You know why, though? Because there's but, people that say, you know, people looking for racism are always going to find it. They're going to find it, right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like you alluded to, these, these six people <laughs> that are out there waiting for the next shitstorm to blow up. Yeah. If you're looking, or the first shitstorm they can cause. Right. Yeah. But if you're the kind of person that's always looking for discord... You're going to find it. You're always going to find it. Yeah. You know? Now, when I saw that commercial, and again, you know, I'm not... I don't Facebook. I don't tweet. I don't do any of that You're bullshit. in the dark ages. Yeah. I, I'm thinking so. But I, I think I'm a little <laughs> bit more sane than a lot of people. Thank you, Legal Weed. But, uh, you know, that commercial, all I got was you know, out of the commercial was a plea for unity. You know, when he talked about the middle, he was talking about common ground that we all have. Right. And in a country this diverse, you got to find that common ground. And there's got to be concessions. There's got to be uh, agreements. There's got to be that kind of thing. There's got to be, you know, a, a, a mutually strived for goal. And, uh, you know, from what I read about the, the quote-unquote outrage surrounding this issue... What I heard that was most disturbing was a lot of people that were no, you know, to quote a Bruce song, no retreat, no surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, they were talking about things that, that, that they were accusing the right of and accusing the, the Republicans of. And we're saying basically that we're never going to find common ground with these people. You know, we're never going to back down to this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you come to the table with that attitude. Yeah. You know, there's no no compromise. Yep. You know, and it, that seems to be a big issue we have in this country right now. Well, I mean, all is this... nobody's willing to compromise about everything. Everybody's latching on the dogma. Right. Everybody's latching on the inflammatory shit. And I think you know? here's here's what our problem is: is that there, there's always more. There's always more to the story. Now, in the case yeah. of Mr. Springsteen and his commercial, yeah, it comes out after not being heard of for at least a month. It comes out after the commercial and the blowback that started that he had been arrested under suspicion of driving under the influence. I read that. In Jersey. I'm I read the, that. the state park areas. Yeah. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on grandpa's old cough medicine? And then as that story developed, it turns out his blood alcohol level was like 0.02. And apparently he had had like one shot of tequila or yeah. some nonsense like yeah, that. Yeah, if you sniff a wine cork, you're going to be 0.02. And what does this shit have to do with anything? You know, so many people use bullshit like this to undermine, you know, whatever the message is. And, you know, I, I completely understand killing the messenger. We're really fond oh, yeah. of that in this yeah. country. But what the fuck does this have to do with anything? You know? Really? Well, I mean, as much as I give him credit for doing an outstanding John Cougar Mellencamp impersonation <laughs> on that commercial, because the man's from the Jersey Shore. He, he don't know from Dusty Montana. I'm sorry. All okay? right. All right. So that threw me right there. Speaking from experience there, right? Yeah, exactly. Jersey native. Exactly. Very good. Very good. Um, but okay, you know, whatever. He's Bruce Springsteen. Nothing but love. Yeah. But there has to be more to the story, because you don't get arrested for point zero two. No, you don't. And you certainly don't fail any sobriety checkpoints with a point zero two. You would think. So if I had to fill in the blanks, again, being a Jersey native, uh, it was probably more like, excuse me, sir, you know, you can't take your four-wheel drive Jeep uh, on this property. This is a, <laughs> a state park. Do you know who I am? Which is how these great debates always start. Oh, yeah. Uh, the cop probably said, I don't, I don't give a shit, and then would you step out of the vehicle, please? Oh, God forbid you threaten a cop when you go ego to ego with yeah. a cop. Yeah, and then he, I, I believe he gave him a, a series of tests. He asked him to take one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Um, then he hit him with a <laughs> flashlight, but Bruce was like, please, I'm blinded by the light. I want to um, share a little something <laughs> with people right now. For, no one's going to get that was a song good, That was a good pun, by the way. That was very good. I enjoyed that. Um, just, just so everybody knows, and I'm... I'm Going to speak from experience on this one. Uh-oh. You don't ever have to take a field sobriety test. You don't ever have to do that in any state in the United States. As a matter of fact, it's best that you don't because there are uh, laws that keep you from incriminating yourself. Uh-huh. And uh, without going into great detail, there, there have been... You know, a few I know occasions. our audience. I think they're well versed. Yeah, in this. they probably are. We, yeah, but we gotta we gotta talk and double speak on this one, just so the police are knocking on my door tonight after the show. But uh, I just want to communicate this to everyone: you don't have to take the field sobriety test. You're a fucking moron if you do. Okay, let the record show. I'm I'm saying please just comply <laughs> with the directions the officer gives you. 
Keep your hands on the wheel at 10 and 2, and we'll get through this. For the record, and Johnny's on the record now. But uh, What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. But yeah, you don't, and you shouldn't, and it's a really stupid thing if you do. Um, that alone, you know, your willingness to take the field sobriety test is an indicator that you're drunk and stupid. And if all else fails, tell them that you're a banquet server and the loud guy at a wedding <laughs> spilt a whole tray of beers on you, thus the smell. Which does happen. It, it happens. It does. You know? But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean... Just... See, now we're having fun. We're not outraged. You oh, call this outrage? No. no. I, it's, 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 you know, again... Your outrage sickens me. A, a facetious comment at the, the top of the broadcast that uh, they were outraged about the outrage. But, again, there were so many... I mean, God, we got the, uh, the Mark Cuban thing with the anthem... Uh, oh, you mean uh, sports Trump? Yeah, yeah, sports yeah exactly. Trump. Sports Trump. <laughs> um, we got the, uh, of course, the cracker with the N word. Yeah, um, yep. we've got you know Manson. Though I mean, I'm not even sure if anybody gives a shit about him anymore. Um, <laughs> we got Fredo Corleone, also known as Governor Cuomo. There we go. Sending we got, those old people to their deaths like yeah, it's Soylent Green, bastard. Yeah, <laughs> we got Justin Timberlake apologizing for something. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know the the screw ups with the vaccine rollout. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous, the list of points that people are being outraged about. I mean, there's almost, uh, I think right now it's gotten so absurd that there's an anticipation <laughs> of outrage. And yeah. so the powers that be are reacting to the anticipation of outrage prior to there being any outrage. And if there's none, you've got to make some right quick. Yeah, you know. What I mean, means outrage? What the world needs now... <laughs> Is outrage, sweet outrage. It's, it's come to that, folks. We got we got Johnny quoting. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Bert Bacharach. Uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. It's come to that. But yeah, I think, you know, just to, just to uh, kind of uh, wrap up what we're talking sure, about here. Sure. Um, I think right now people need to check their outrage. At you the know? door. Yeah. yeah. Check it at the door. <laughs> I mean, you're not the first. Uh, God knows there are plenty of people already at the party. You know, and just just you know, qualify it a little bit. Take take the big picture into perspective because it's gonna you know all of these people, all these points that we're making, they have they have good points. They have reason to be upset. Yeah. But you know, when you start already at a hundred degrees, yep. There's there's not much room to maneuver there, folks. Right. And uh, and so yeah, check your head, people. Check your outrage too, please. Yeah. Check please. them out the door like a coat at a fancy restaurant. Yes. So let's do, what do you say, a gem to kind of snap us out of this. I'm thinking that's a good Because this call. is a, a depressing topic if you really like, <laughs> dwell on it. it. It certainly can be. It certain, certainly can be cause for depression. Manic depression. Uh, it could potentially be cause for manic depression. So uh, let's run with that, shall we? Let's run with that. Again, in honor of Black History Month, let's do a little, oh, how about some Jimi Hendrix? I like it. Doing manic depression. Yeah, let's throw that at our good, non-outraged audience. <laughs> we'll be back nice. in a few minutes, gang, with some more things and stuff.
music, sleep music. I wish I could caress and a kiss. Manic depression is a frustrating mess. Busting out the tasty scale. I know we haven't, we we haven't, haven't gone there in a while, but uh, but that's just that's definitely at least a nine. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, you know, and for people who don't know, that was from uh, Jimmy Hendrix and the Experiences, uh, seminal, if I could use that word, mm-hmm. 1967 album. Are you experienced? Indeed. And it's and it's it it prompted a debate question. I'm sure with. A lot of people going back and forth about whether or not you are in fact experienced. You know, <laughs> more but, outrage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, if you were a college freshman, if you are a college freshman and you don't own that album at some point in time, Nerd. you're an asshole. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. Now, for my money, um, like so many Jimi Hendrix songs, but that album in particular, so many good middle of the day sitting in the corner of like a city bar. You know, they all look the same. Yep. You walk in, they're very long yep. and skinny. And yep. You yep. go, you find a spot next to some old black and white TV with, with foil on the antennas. <laughs> and am I dating myself here? Maybe. I don't know. A little bit. Um, probably red submarine lighting in the bar. Nothing yep. you can actually yep. like see by. Yep. Um, and just, yeah, just zoning out. Oh, yeah. Well, you want to talk about dating yourself. I'm probably going to date myself <laughs> with this. Do but, it. Uh, but, you know, if you were a college underground, uh, undergrad, <laughs> excuse yep. me, um, and you were maybe having your first experiences with marijuana or uh-huh. maybe mushrooms or maybe LSD or something like that. Uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience, and in particular, this album, Are You Experienced, was, you know, 101. So you're edu- saying ed- more so than anything by the monkeys. You know, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> That's a debate for another day, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 there, there is a... Uh, a place for the monkeys in that discussion. Sure, sure. Um, probably not as significant. They were a major influence on the Beatles. They, yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously. But uh, but yeah, you know it, the, the college experience again, and you know being an undergrad, and yep. and you know by what I understand it, and it could be a completely different experience sure, now. Sure. As a matter of fact, it probably is a completely di- different experience now. Right. But. Yeah, the Jimi Hendrix experience and Are You Experience was definitely part of that. Yeah. For me, it was it was the wall. Yeah, that opened my eyes. Same, yeah, yeah. same, same vein, same, same discussion, really. Yeah. Uh, as far as like broadening your perspective mentally. Yeah, and that's uh, what which, college is all about. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. At least that's what college used to hey, be grab about. Ass. I, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if it is anymore. Right. Um, but again, that's a topic for another time. Fair um, enough. But yeah, 1967. Are you experienced? Uh, a question we should all ask ourselves at one point yeah. or another, I'm sure. Now, you probably like me. You've probably always been a Jimi Hendrix fan. Um, yeah, pretty much. It was. It was. That was the cornerstone to appreciating rock. I mean, right. if you know Hendrix, The Stones, Zeppelin, they were all in that same bucket right. of bands that you could turn on to. Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were also uh, a lot of bands in that uh, kind of orthodoxy of mentality. Um, that you were not supposed to like, right? You know, if you liked, if you liked <laughs> or Hendrix, you, or you liked really, the Stones, really supposed to like, and he just didn't want to go. Along. Yeah, you, you couldn't, you couldn't grasp it. Yeah, I, I ran into one or two people um, in my latter years, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. that maybe didn't like Pink Floyd that much, or you know, didn't really. Some of them were out Hope there. You left sh- them behind. Yeah, really. You know. <laughs> 
Some of them were out there shit, which, of course, Jimi Hendrix was. Right. Um, but there was uh, a, a mentality about that. I remember, you know, when grunge blew up yep. uh, in the 1990s, the early 1990s, they brought with it uh, a punk rock sensibility of things. And, you know, in that orthodoxy, in that mentality, um, and it's funny because punk rock was supposedly the outsiders. Right. Um, but, you know, having been excluded, you would think that the outsiders wouldn't turn around and exclude everybody yeah, else. Yeah, but it was very exclusionary. Once they found their tribe, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. And there were a long list at that point in time of bands that, no, you just, no, you couldn't like these guys. Right. And, uh, you Did know. Did you have, like, personal ones that you just, bands, let's say, you couldn't stand, but now you, you kind of dig? Absolutely. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's you got three nice that about, come to mind? Uh, one or two, maybe three. You All know? Right. That's one of the nice things, without getting specific, being at the point we are in life, where we don't have to uh, adhere to those uh, kinds of uh, orthodoxies anymore. You know, we can openly, we can open, <laughs> yeah, really. But uh, in some cases, anyway, we can openly say, no, fuck you, I like this band. Right. I dig this band. Yeah. I'm going to listen to this band. You don't like it, there's the door, don't let it hit you in the ass. Exactly. You know? And uh, and yeah, I have one or two. I'm I'm sure you have one or two. Do you I, have one or two? I do. Yeah. I, I have three off the top of my head. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, if you don't mind me jumping in here, no, go ahead. Um, what do you got? Man? One of the big ones, um, band that I was absolutely not supposed to dig under any circumstances whatsoever back in those halcyon days um, right. of punk and grunge and whatnot was ABBA, Oof. and I absolutely love ABBA. You know, Abba, I did not know this. Oh, the harmonies are amazing. <laughs> they have one of the greatest, greatest breakup songs of all time uh, in a tune call. I believe it's called Knowing Me, Knowing You. Yeah. Um, uh... Yeah, there is nothing we can do. <laughs> yep, knowing yep. me, knowing you. Uh, cross so, it off a lyrically speaking for next yeah, time. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you talk about flying your freak flag. Uh -huh. This is flying your fuck you flag. All right. You know, I don't care if I'm not supposed to dig Abba. I dig Abba. Fuck hey, you. Hey, there's got to be a reason it's so popular. Millions of records sold. You know, huge yeah. catalog. Oh, God <laughs> yes, God yes. So, uh, so in the top three, that would definitely be my number three. What do you got, John? I got you. Uh, wow. Um, and it's almost as a caveat because I, I like the first song that I ever heard by this band. It was okay. uh, "Keep Them Separated." Nice. And of course, the band is the Offspring. Yes. And then it seemed like every song they came out with was more screaming that sounded exactly the same <laughs> as their last release. There, there was a, a bit of a homogenization, I guess yes. you could say, from one Offspring to the other. And for me, out of the, the three I could think of, this is the only one that actually, like I said, initially I was like, wow, this is kind of different. Single, 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 says, Yeah, let's jam <laughs> out. And then it was like, oh my God, this again? Is these two guys screaming? Is that yeah. like how many vocalists they had? I don't even know. Like the, uh, the setup of all kind of kind of sorta, kind of sorta. But it's one of those things that, like, to this day, I'm just like, Ugh. so yeah. Does so that worked in reverse as to where we're trying to go with these? But yeah, that yeah. was the first one that came to mind. Yeah. Well, the Offspring were a very groundbreaking band. Um, their first album came out on an independent label. Um, God, I want to say it was an Interscope band, but uh, they were the first first like really indie punk band that sold a substantial amount of oh, yeah. albums. I think their debut albums sold like 16 million copies or something. Yep. But I remember when they broke in the early 1990s and they were kind of I kind of had a, a, a I don't know a, a different kind of uh, skin in the game because mm -hmm. one of their guys, I believe it was Dexter, was a graduate of the University of Southern California, ah. uh, of which I am an alumni. So one of the Birkenstock kind of, Brotherhood. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I just coined that. <laughs> yes, and that was good. That was good. So, yeah, coming right out of the gate, it was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to dig these guys because, you know, one of their guys is, a, is an alma mater of. But, right. uh, but yeah, I, I can fully understand where you're coming from on that one. All Definitely. Right. Fair. All right. What um, else you got? This is, this is going to surprise you, um, but when they first broke and broke big, uh, I was not supposed to dig the cure. Okay. And uh, they were very unique for their time, and yep, they were representative yep. of, a, of a different kind of music. Um, it was almost like, like in, the, in the late 70s, early 80s, you went from punk to what was called new wave yep. at that point in time. And The Cure, in their time period, in the late 80s, early 90s, was kind of the same thing. I would call them like artsy rock at yeah, the time. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. But what was funny about The Cure, and this is, this is going to sound cheesy, 
But to truly appreciate the cure, you have to be in love. You know, wow. you, you have to be high on that, like, first love thing. Okay. You know, when you first start seeing a girl and, and everything is perfect. You know, I think people refer to it as the honeymoon phase. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, you really want to dig the cure, that's when you listen to them. Huh. And then suddenly they're really, really cool. Interesting they're take. Really cool. I never thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah. And to this day, I dig the cure. I, huh. I truly do. Well, so, the uh, uh, next one for me that, that comes to mind, and for the longest time, it was, uh, how do I say this without sounding really ignorant? You probably can't. I probably can't, because I wasn't always as open-minded as I am today. Ah, that's good to know. So the best <laughs> way I could describe this band, I'm just, I'm just going to throw it out there. It was, okay. It was faggy, basically. Ah. Um, oh, God, here comes the outrage. <laughs> Uh, the, the band is, is Steely Dan, okay? Steely Dan Steely was Dan. Really? Yeah, to me, it was just such dewdrop rock that you would listen to like in an elevator. I'm like, what is yeah, this? You yeah, know? Uh, yeah, any major dude will tell you. But what changed my opinion of that, because now I, I like Steely Dan because okay. I respect the craftsmanship yep. in their music. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. And the way that, you know, oh, those guys were masters. Yeah, they were virtuosos, totally. totally. And for like almost like a, like a soft, jazz kind of like sound yeah it's it's tight you know and the yep. songs are good yep. like like now i can listen to and sing my old school and be able to actually relate to it yep um very very intelligent band yes yes yeah and when i was dating a girl who who i thought was the epitome of cool you know she was a bartender she was a college professor you name it yep. drank more johnny black in a sitting than i did wow and this was we a were chick? out yeah damn we were out and she's popping steely dan in the jukebox i'm like what is this you yeah. know thinking man's music right yeah and I, I got into like black friday and and uh Kid Charlemagne and all this stuff. And yeah. yeah, it opened my eyes and it became a group that I equate with cool, easygoing times. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I know where you're coming from. At, at one point, I really didn't dig Steely Dan too much because they were a favorite of FM classic rock radio. Right. And they overplayed the shit out of them. Yes. But uh, <laughs> I finally got a chance to see some live clips uh -huh. of Steely Dan. I was like, wow, these guys rock. Yeah. And like you were saying, they're, they're virtuosos on their instruments. These yes. are really, really talented dudes. And uh, and that's when it you know fully came across to me, and I crossed over to the other side. It was right. like no Steely Dan, yeah, they're groovy, they're yep. cool. Yep. So. Who else you got? Who's your number three? Um, you know this one's this one's probably gonna come as a as a surprise to you because I know you're a big fan. But uh, when they first broke in the uh, in the early 1990s, I fucking hated Weezer. I wow. really did. That's sacrilege. I, yeah. And, you know, they were, they were from my backyard at the time. They were an L.A. band, and they yep. blew up, and they were really successful. But to put it in some kind of context, um, again, this was the early 90s. Uh -huh. You know, grunge was blowing up. Sure. Um, you know, anybody that remembers that era, anybody that was part of it, knows that we were really fucking serious about our music. Yeah. You know, this was not, not shit you <laughs> joked around about. You know, and along come these clowns. Talking about a sweater. The anti-rock band. Yeah. Yep. And it was truly um, genius on the part of uh, Rivers Cuomo mm -hmm. um, to fly contrary to what was popular then. Right. It was ballsy to do. Yep. Um, to not just blend in, not just to do the same thing everybody else was doing. At the time, I had no respect for that. But now, you know, in retrospect, it was like, yeah, yeah. you know, that's what you do as an artist. A lot of musical sarcasm involved Oh, there, very much you know? so. Very much but so. But like I said, he was a you know, bright guy, Harvard graduate. Yeah. Um, knew the, the craft behind what he was trying to do. Very it wasn't shocking so. or mocking just for shocking or mocking's sake. Yep. There was a point behind it, and their music just seemed to get better and better with every album. Yes, it did. Now, as you know, I'm a... Big Weezer fan, yep. and I love them because of their anti-rock sensibilities, mm -hmm. and because of the time that they came out. Yeah. Because at one time, dueling bands I had in CDs coming in and out of my dashboard of my car would have been either Cake or Weezer. All right. All <laughs> and right. it was like two sides to the same coin. Yeah. One heavily electrified, and the other one a little bit more like uh, uh, acoustic. You know. Yeah. Yep. Um, but from cut from the same. Cloth, yeah. So to speak. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And again, what what carried the day for me with Weezer was finally seeing them live. Yeah, you know, I saw them as part of a you know one of those all day shows where there are twenty bands and blah blah blah. Yep. And just out of curiosity, I cruised over. I think it was Coachella, quite frankly, and they threw down live. Right. And 
it was like, okay, this is not the band I'm hearing on the radio. Yeah. You know, these guys are serious. They're for real. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you can't carry it live, right. you know, you're not a band. You're shit. You're a joke. And I will give props, though, to arguably one of the greatest music videos of all time that they did for Buddy Holly. Yes. When they lifted it from the episode <laughs> of Happy Days. Yes. I mean, ingenious. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. You got you to gotta appreciate that. Yep. And, uh, and, again, not, you know, being fully ensconced in the camp of this is what I love, this is what I hate. Yep. You know, yep. the dividing line and, and, you know, fly your colors and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah, Weezer, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And, and my, I appreciate them now, I truly <laughs> do. My, my last one, I won't go too in-depth into because of time constraints, All right. but it's going to shock and, and piss off you and many other devotees of this group. Oh, throw down, John, let's have it. Never been a fan. I respect him now, okay. but never been a fan of Pearl Jam. I believe you get your ass kicked saying so much like that, man. Wow. And I don't fault them or any of their contributions. I, I fault their fans. You know, you know I, can, I, can actually, I can actually understand it. I mean, when those guys you know, hit the scene, particularly with the second album, Versus, they blew up. They were everywhere. Right. You know, and if you weren't, you know, I don't know... Uh, inclined towards that mentality yep. and what was going on at the time in popular music. Hell, I can understand. I'd have hate yeah. the fuck out of them, too. They were, at, they were everywhere. Yeah, and at the height of their popularity, at the height of the grunge era, uh, being a, a loyal Van Halen fan, I saw in an interview with somebody asked uh, Eddie Van Halen, you know, do you consider yourselves grunge? Or maybe when you started out, were yeah. you grunge? Yeah. And he says, yeah, we started out, we were grunge, and then we learned how to play. <laughs> and I just stuck my flag right there, and I'm like, yep, that's how I feel about them. But more truthfully, it's... I uh, remember that show that was on HBO called True Detective. Yes. I've never seen it, but I heard it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Fact, well, the, the first season was. I heard from every fucking person I know how amazing <laughs> it was and how I was a, a scrotal tick because I hadn't watched it yet. Okay. That's okay. how I felt about Pearl Jam because everybody was roll over, rub my belly in love with them. Nice right. dog reference right. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, hold on. I'm not ready to, sure. you know, sure. drink the Kool-Aid on mm -hmm. this. And unfortunately, it kept me from discovering them and appreciating them for well. What well, they any did. true true music aficionado is going to be reluctant, you think? Uh, for lack of a better word, to any band that becomes that huge that fast. Good. I mean, I that, feel better now. That automatically has red flags <laughs> all over it as being you know an industry creation and full of shit, no substance, and blah blah blah. And as a matter of fact, that was something that the Pearl Jam guys had a real hard time with uh -huh. early on. They really, really had trouble with their level of success. Wow. You know, I mean, they weren't just mildly successful. They didn't have a hit song or two. Uh -huh. um, you know, their second album, Versus, sold over 900,000 copies in its first week of release, which mm. nowadays is completely unprecedented. Right. Even back then, it was rare. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, they themselves had a real hard time with it, you know? Um, being of the mentality that they were, I would even go so far as to say if they were in the band, they would have hated Pearl Jam too. Right. right. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's very understandable. Okay. Totally I feel, understandable. I feel much better. Yeah, not sacrilege, John. Not Excellent. sacrilege. Excellent. Yeah. You know, because we have, we have such a chock full of stuff kind of episode we're gonna jump ship now off of this topic yep. into a segment we did recently Ooh. with our good friend Ooh. professor heinrich snoof i like it the doctor is once again Indeed. incognito and i believe uh, if i remember correctly he weighs in he had just done some some uh, sanctioned research into okay. the ongoing subway it's it's rare debacle. for the for the doctor to do sanctioned rehearse exactly yeah. exactly yeah and the subway thing? Ooh. Oof. Yeah, so let's see what he has to say. I mean, I had a lot of fun talking with him over this. And uh, yeah, let's go to that. And we'll be back in a few minutes for some more things and stuff. Good evening, everybody. Is, is this on, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. This? Yeah, you're, okay. you're good okay. to go, Good Doc. evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Doctor is Incognito. Uh, with me, your host, Professor Heinrich Snoof. Uh, and on this special episode, uh, we are going to uh, change the pace from the normal conversation about the COVID-19 uh, and discuss 
some uh, uh, project I am working on in in my personal uh, life um, that is, is uh, almost of equal importance. Uh, this, of course, is the the latest um, medical uh, emergency, if you will, uh, involving the Subway uh, Corporation and oh. allegations via as, as a lawsuit um, that their tuna is not actually tuna. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I was contacted um, by some uh, uh, scientist friends of, of, of mine mm-hmm. who said um, due to the nature of the, the post-mortem uh, examinations of the meat, this might be something that, that's that's up my particular um, right. skill yeah. set, as Excellent. you say. Uh, so they sent me a, a sample of the tuna mm-hmm. and I uh, did various tests on it um, and I had some very uh, very interesting uh, results uh, to that alright yes. lay it on yes 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 I, I, I will go over them now with you Johnny for you and all your listeners excellent um, it's very very interesting so let me let me say this let me tell you um, what isn't in the tuna before we say what is <laughs> what is the tuna <laughs> um there there was no trace of um animal feces in the tuna well, that's good um which really you, you could you could tell by the taste but i did a test anyway <laughs> there's no animal feces in the tuna also uh let's see there there was no chicken in the tuna no no okay. chicken whatsoever or, or turkey of course um so that's that is covered there um, there was uh, there was no beef in the tuna. Okay. Either. No, 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 no beef. Um, my next thought was maybe, well, maybe it is like Taco Bell, where they say beef, but they mean soy kernel product, right, which right. is very yep. disgusting. Um, but no, it is it is not soy either. What? Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm going to say what it is not. Okay. First, okay, um, and of course, <laughs> it, it is not Hillary Clinton either. Oh, <laughs> so I, I wanted to put the, the, that joke in. We yes, know, we joke. know. Okay, yep. okay. So, okay, Johnny, here you go. Now, I, I, I will tell you what uh, my uh, experiments showed. That is okay. in the is a tuna. Um, it is a it is a fish, but I I do not know what kind of fish. It, it is not tuna. Um, Okay, so I, I go to these other sites uh, that promise to take a DNA sample mm-hmm. and tell you the origins of, of the, uh, in this case, meat. Um, okay. And I had some interesting results uh, as a result of, of, of this. So uh, this is the first one I did was for a, a company called Embark. Uh, which I hear that, was very good with, with DNA testing. But the but, results were a, a little weird when I, I got I them, admittedly. Um, it says that the, the swab of, of, of tuna that I sent them was uh, 33% Labrador Retriever. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, 33% Pitbull. Um, and 33% uh, Chihuahua. Yeah, um that's not which, for, which makes yeah, no sense I, it's i don't think one. it's 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 beef or dog but they 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 say uh, these three varieties so i do not know uh, so this is why we do scientific method so we can discount uh the bogus results um okay fair enough okay yes okay yep. Uh, so then I reached out to another DNA testing site okay um it's called uh, 23andme and yeah, they gave me more me. interesting uh, results. So uh, apparently, according to them, the uh, swab of the, of the tuna I sent came back as uh, 25% Italian. Yeah, see, that's which which makes no sense. I don't know why they're doing it. And, and, and then 50% Yugoslavian, and then 25% uh, uh, Russian. Uh, yes, yes, deep uh, Siberian uh, of origin. Which I I don't know. It's it's all landlocked areas. Because it's not what you um, think. So so that one also made no sense. Um, so then I did research on the swab of tuna, uh, through um, a genealogy site oh, geez, with the, with the tree and the and the leaves either. and whatnot. 
Und very interesting, they they uh -huh. traced the swab of the tuna back through several generations all the way to Moby Dick. Und so there you have it, Johnny, as is very crystal clear as in my notes, the tuna is actually dick. Uh, Moby, Moby, Moby dick is, is the subway tuna. And everybody who has been enjoying uh, the tuna for all these years clearly uh, enjoys this dick. Yeah, so yeah, uh, so there that. you have it. That is my conclusion. Again, the subway tuna, and it, it, it is dick. Yeah, so, or nice. any of these other the white fish. It is a mammal not showing up correctly in test. I, I don't know. It is an ongoing process. Uh, okay, and so I, keep working on. Schluf, I, I promise to stay working on this morning, noon, and night okay. until I get uh, the correct answer. All right, sounds yes. good. And that is all for me on this episode of The Doctor is Incognito. It's, okay. Yeah, it's always <laughs> a, a, a challenge, a scintillating chess game, if you will, yeah. when I sit down to interview Professor Snoop. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's a unique character, I got to say. I think and he's growing on you. Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. You know, <laughs> seeing him around. We've we've had a few off the off the record chats. Okay, and, uh, nice, nice. He's, he's, like I said, he's got a very unique perspective, a very unique point of view. That he does. I, <laughs> I, I had no idea that the, the subway... Uh, issue particularly apparently with the tuna yeah um was such a source of outrage uh for so many people massive so, outrage and they i guess they apparently like you said the thing they kind of put out like an open almost like a bounty if you will to scientists to prove that you know yeah. it is what they say it is yeah and of course we heard his results so yeah, yeah good luck with that folks um, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, i mean there's, there's there's a part of me that's Oddly enough, glad that the doctor weighed in on this. Yes, um, we want him. We need him on that wall. Yes, yes. <laughs> Grotesque though his existence may be. Yes, yes, yes. But hey, it makes us feel a little bit better. And let's let's keep that goodwill feeling going. Absolutely. Um, today we're going to actually close out and ride off to, to the sunset right after our third gem. And for our third gem, again, continuing our Black History Month theme, another icon of uh, popular music Absolute and icon. rock and roll, yeah. I, I would say. Mr. Yeah. Stevie Wonder, little Stevie Wonder. Uh, <laughs> as he was tune, known once upon a time, sure. yes, back in the day. And, uh, and you know, as is frequently the case with uh, a lot of our gems, I think this is a bit of a wishful thinking thing on our part. You yeah. know, something yeah. that <laughs> people amidst all the outrage would, would strive for. But, you know, if anybody could bridge the gaps and, and, and bond the people, it's, it's Stevie Wonder. Oh, God, yes, yeah. absolutely. So here we go doing uh, Higher Ground from Stevie's 1973 album. Masterpiece. Masterpiece, Intervisions. And, of course, after this, that's going to be it for this episode. So thank you for always as, uh, for tuning in. I am Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Your people